Welcome to another Emerging Cricket Podcast Men's T20 World Cup Team Preview Special. Coming up, we discuss Ireland and their chances at the tournament. A reminder that we're still releasing the weekly show wherever you are listening to the pod, so don't miss those. And our content continues to roll on EmergingCricket.com. Finally, join the many who have joined us on Patreon. From as little as $2 a month, you can help us grow the game outside of traditional centres. For more, log on to Patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy another ICC Men's T20 World Cup Team Preview. Hello and welcome to another of our T20 World Cup previews. The last, in fact, tonight we talk Ireland and everything going on with them as they enter in the first round in what is a ultra-competitive Group A at the ICC Men's T20 World Cup first round level. Quick look at the fixtures before we do talk about them. They take on the Netherlands in their opening game on the 18th of October in Abu Dhabi. Then Sri Lanka on the 20th, also in Abu Dhabi, before they take on Namibia in Sharjah on the 22nd. Uh, We'll talk about their recent form and their squad in a moment, boys. But just having a look at this Irish team, it's probably not the strongest ever Irish team that they've put out. And they do probably still rely on very much the old guard when it does come to the talent across the board. Paul Sterling, Kevin O'Brien, they're just two players that that we know and and, and love and have seen quite a lot. Nick, I'll start with you. It's still a case at the moment of Ireland being very much a team of of almost two generations working together to try and, and put together a team that will make the next round of the tournament and then take on some of their fellow full member foes. Although they will, of course, play Sri Lanka in Group A as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the way they've put the team together, yeah, over the last few years, they've been in a, a rebuilding phase, I guess is the, the the term for it, with obviously a lot of the golden generation that took them to full membership retiring. And it's tricky when you're trying to look at how the team stacks up because there's a lot of combinations that they're still working on and, and obviously having the pandemic derail you know a year or two of preparations and, and tinkering with the lineup, I think... Deciding who plays where is still something, you know, we've seen them play quite a lot of cricket in the last year or so with with some Super League fixtures and and a couple of T20 series, but they've been shuffling around the order and and sort of cycling through a number of bowlers and batters and yeah, you just get the feeling they're not a settled team with with the squad they've got. Probably a little bit harsh opening up there the way I did when there are a number of young, talented players coming through. It's just a case of where does everyone fit in this team and is there a strong 11 that in totality is a complete team that can really pose a threat in what is a really tough group, Tim. And we've talked about it in a number of previews already and on the EC pod. This group A and the way that it's shaken up with the redrawing of the groups as per the ICC rankings, it hasn't really done anyone in group A favours and Ireland are no exception to that, even being a full member. No, I think you've almost got to leave the membership status at the door when looking at this group. Yeah, they might get a bit more funny at this stage, but I, I, right now, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of something that's uh, okay for family hour, something uh, that's that's quite thin between between these teams as they, as they go. And I, I just look. This is. I'm very excited about these three game days in in, in Group A. But uh, no, you're right, and the combinations that they're still working with and those names that we've we've spoken about but i think the difference is this this team will have elements within it and around it with 
Porterfield and Wilson being there and the coaching staff that they've got a, a lot of players that have been there to, to World Cups before. And it's funny uh, looking back how they've auto-qualified for the last two T20 World Cups each time because of other teams falling over <laughs> um, on the last day of competition. If we go back to 2015, Namibia lost to, to Hong Kong and, and PNG fell over against the USA in two boil overs, which meant that Ireland went from a possible third place and crossover elimination playoffs to being first. And the same thing happened on the, on the last day or at least the last couple of days in 2019 as well with, with Jersey beating Oman and, and UAE beating Canada when, you know, only one of those other results to go the other way, which would have meant they would have gone into crossovers as well. So I don't think that's actually saying anything, but they perhaps haven't had to fight as much as other sides to get here. And maybe that sort of sudden death cricket that they haven't been part of, or at least, you know, hasn't been ingrained in them might, might be a factor. But yeah, there's some, there's some exciting, talented names there. You know, Josh Little, like Lorcan Tucker's, I guess, no longer a young talent. You know, he's been around for a couple of years now, but there's, it's just a matter of these players actually turning into key characters in the side because, as we know, Sterling and, well, oh, geez, do we know Bal Burney's going to play? You know, he's been hit on the foot and we're waiting for that news. Yeah. And George Dockle as well, who I think is going to play a key role too, probably just as much with the bat these days than, than, than with the ball. But they're not going to be around forever. You know, we talked about the same same thing and talking about PNG with how important Asad Vala is, you know, full stop and also Tony Ura at the top, you know, they're not going to be around forever either. So that next generation of Ireland cricketers, yeah, I think there's this is a huge test for them uh, and is exciting to see because, you know, what better test than, than in, this, in this group first up? You could almost make the argument that being full members, they, they might have lost that edge of playing when, you know, things have had a lot on the line. But looking to the qualifier and... They'd probably say that it, it wasn't their best tournament in, in terms of the way that they played. They were fairly solid. They managed to do everything that they needed to do. I look at that result against Canada, though. They lost a game against Canada in Abu Dhabi by 10 runs, unable to chase down 157, I think the target was for that one, Nick. They're in this kind of halfway house, aren't they, as full members with inverted commas, but at the same time, they're not quite at the table like some of the high-end full members. So coming back to the first round and looking at this group and Tim saying, you know, maybe you do kind of have to put your status at the door and just play in a dog-eat-dog group A. There's also still a target on their back as full members, Nick, and that's probably something that the likes of Namibia and the Netherlands will will hunt for in terms of hunting for blood and for, for moving on to the next round. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about their, the qualification campaign. That, you know, the, the group that they were in, <laughs> yeah, Canada beat them. Canada failed against the UAE and uh, couldn't make it past. But I know it's hard for you to talk about, Nick. You know, we know, we know. Okay? I can hear it in your voice. We don't need to go over that. But um, yeah, so there was only one win between first and sixth in that group. And, and so, yeah, it's, it kind of stumbled across the line almost into automatic qualification. And then, as you said, they didn't have that do or die match where, you know, like Scotland had to play the UAE with everything on the line or you know, Namibia with their, their thrashing of Oman to go through. So that they haven't it was kind of a almost on on cruise control for them and and they just kind of accidentally automatically qualified and, and then did enough and yeah I, I don't know will will the pressure of this group get to them they they've been 
kind of up and down in, in the last little while. Uh, they played some T20s against South Africa and they lost 3-0 and, and they got a 3-2 series win against Zimbabwe. But they also, you know, they went one all with South Africa in, in the ODIs in the Cricket World Cup Super League and uh, one all with Zimbabwe and then 2-1 loss to an understrength Netherlands. So they've kind of been, yeah, all up and down and all over the place. And the, the last little while for them, I think, is... is pretty telling of, of where they are as a team and that they're sort of chopping and changing and here and there and what you're not quite sure what's going to happen and the other teams in the group I mean yeah leaving aside Sri Lanka who've, who've had a lot of problems recently but certainly Namibia and the Netherlands uh, look a lot more challenging to Ireland and and I think Ireland are yeah they're, they're probably the underdogs of the group despite being the second full member there. Crazy to think isn't it but to look at some of their recent form we'll talk about their squad in depth in a moment but some recent form, they've played quite a bit of white ball cricket in Cricket World Cup Super League, so fighting on that front as well with the 2023 One Day International World Cup down the line. Lost 2-1 in that series to the Netherlands, which was a huge surprise for everyone because the Netherlands had a lot of guys out on, on county cricket duty and unavailable for selection. They had South Africa tour, and at times they looked quite good against South Africa, but it was you know in one-day cricket where they really excelled, not necessarily the T20 format. So... Tim, I, I look at, at you and, and ask this question. What do you think it's like for, for Ireland at the moment? Again, fighting for World Cup qualification, albeit through the Super League, a really tough division and a tough competition where they're, they're very much the underdogs in that compared to if they were in Cricket World Cup League 2 and potentially had the comfort of knowing that, yeah, it's a bit cushy, we can we can win all these games, we can find ourselves at the top of the ladder. But then you've got to factor in, well, there's a T20 World Cup coming up, we've got to qualify for that, and one in 2022 as well. It's almost really difficult for, for Ireland to fight on so many fronts. It is. And, you know, what an array of results in their recent series. But to me, it feels like a squad that is very, you know, talking about PNG being so suited to 2020 cricket. This Ireland squad feels like it's very much more suited to 50 over cricket rather than, than 20 over t- to me. You know, Kevin O'Brien can take teams apart. You know, we, we, we've seen that. Sterling is absolute world class. But, yeah, we're sort of t- I'm seeing them almost in a similar light to a lot of the the other teams, associates and beyond, that are really relying on a couple of players. And if you get Sterling early, and if Bernie plays, uh, who knows, and then o- O'Brien, we know what we can do, all of a sudden they're looking very similar to a lot, a lot of the other sides. So I think ha- having that... F- that fight, as you said, and, and have they had that history, that recent history of, of being in these these sort of games? No. You know, how much is that a factor of Cricket World Cup League 2 or Super League? I don't know. I'd probably put a question mark against that. But just in the general recent past of these players being in those those sudden death situations, I'd, again, we're going to see once a rubber hits a road next week in this group and on these wickets that they've played a lot on, which I guess is another advantage for them that they've played some of those Super League matches uh, in Abu Dhabi and surround. So nothing should be too foreign to them. So there's no no excuse there. It's just whether this squad and the combinations they go for click. We'll go through the squad now. Captained by Andrew Balburnie, as we said, waiting to hear back at the time of recording what's happening in the regards to his foot. Mark Adair, Curtis Campfer, Gareth Delaney, George Dockrell, Josh Little, Andrew McBride. Kevin O'Brien, Neil Rock, Simi Singh, Paul Sterling, Harry Tector, Lorcan Tucker, Ben White, Craig Young, the reserves, Shane Getkate, Graham Kennedy, and Barry McCarthy. You would think if Balburnie, for some reason, couldn't take part in the tournament, Getkate would be the next cab off the rank. But the team on the bowling side, and Nick, you, you've made this point, finding the right balance will be a big question for them. But then to look at, at say, the middle order, the likes of Gareth Delaney, 
who will bring bowling experience as well. And even the likes of Mark Adair and Josh Little, who will bat in the lower order, they could become really key players with the bat if if they are to get out of their group. Yeah, as, as I kind of said earlier, the, the balance of the team is going to be really important. And looking at their, their bowling options, they've got a number of guys who can bat and bowl and you know, roll the arm over if necessary, like Paul Sterling. And, and sort of like the inverse Paul Sterling is uh, Simi Singh, who's um, a, a very handy off-spinner and um, can bat a bit. And whereas Paul Sterling's obviously a, a top-quality batsman who can kind of bowl a bit. And these tired... UAE pitches that we keep talking about, um, that's you know, having a lot of spin options is helpful. And obviously, George Dockrell, uh, more known as a left-arm orthodox spinner, but kind of more selected as a bat these days. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to, to sort of see how that shakes out. But Ben White uh, is back in the team. Um, he's kind of, I think he made a debut very recently, actually, uh, in, in one of those uh, home series. And that, he's a, a leg spinner, which is going to be quite possibly a, a bit of a trump card on on these decks and you know in, in conditions where you want a lot of spin options so how they kind of uh, you know balance their side is going to be quite important for for how they go throughout the tournament and you know do they pack it with all-rounders or, or do they go with some more specialists or you know do they try and get breakthroughs with their quick bowlers or rely a bit more on the spinners because you know obviously Gareth Delaney can roll the arm over as well with with some leg spin so you know they've got a lot of options for spin so maybe they'll go with one or two fast men so yeah as, as I said getting that balance right is, is going to be really important because the team just doesn't look settled to me. Gareth Delaney had a great T20 series when they toured the West Indies about two years ago now and granted they're not playing in the same conditions but you could probably make a case of, of them being quite similar a number of slow and low wickets in the Caribbean and he emerged as a potentially one of the next stars in in T20 international cricket for Ireland but again to kind of bring up the same point balance is going to be interesting and and someone like Simi Singh who could bat it at seven or eight in his own right as well has a one day international hundred at number eight the only person to ever do that and Tim you kind of made this point too but I'll I'll ask you kind of in a different way this team's almost PNG-esque really when you think about it because they've got a guy a number of guys who can bowl a bat it's just almost a case for Andrew Balbani or whoever does captain the side injury permitting of actually just going with who who's got it going on at that particular time because you look at this team and you, and you think, oh, well, there's probably seven options with the ball. I mean, Paul Sterling can bowl. Kevin O'Brien's only bowled once in, in 40 T20 internationals or something, <laughs> but he's done it before. So is it a case about Bernie as well, almost playing the Assad Vala role and thinking, oh, you know, I've got to juggle a lot of things here on, on my mind and, and bowling's just one of those things? Yeah, it's a good point. And I don't know what to say. It's like, I couldn't agree with me more there, <laughs> Daniel, of you bringing up the point that I said before. But I think you're right. But what those options bring, uh, which perhaps we didn't expand on when considering it from a PNG point of view, that if you've got a team load of bowlers, then that allows you to potentially work with your batters and potentially have someone up top that you may not normally who is there to get things moving um, quicker than perhaps the the established top order batters. But you see, T20, T20 cricket these days, you know, you're Sterling scoring at 150 plus anyway, so it's not 
you're not necessarily looking at a pinch hitters at the top, but what it, it does give you some freedom because you've basically got a few free spots there to do that. If so, you've got seven bowlers. So that only contributes more, though, to the question about the balance of this team. So the squad that we see there, whether Balburnie's in it, but the, the 11 that is, is selected um, during their first game on the 18th, well, you know, throw throw a few darts, really, because you could you could pick any number of any sides that uh, that could be selected. We've teased it, and it's probably worth us making the point now. In terms of key players, Paul Sterling is going to be one of the first names thrown up. He's had an outstanding 2021, both internationally and at domestic level. He won the 100, uh, part of Middlesex's campaigns as well. One day, Super League has been excellent. And now in T20 international circles, Nick, he's just gone fourth in the all-time run-scoring list in men's T20I history. So we know Kevin O'Brien is a big game player and at World Cups he's been one of Ireland's heroes a number of times even if his record might not suggest it. Once he does get to a World Cup it just seems that, that he is one of the men to step up but this could truly make Paul Sterling's legacy in a way because if he can play great cricket at a global tournament with a team that, yes, there are a couple of questions in T20 cricket as to how they'll go about their business. If he has a great tournament, he could easily make a case for himself as to being one of the, the great T20 players of our generation in a way. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's well on the way. Uh, he's been around for over a decade now already, and but he's still only, I think, in his early 30s. So, still got a few years left in him, Ireland would, uh, would be hoping. And I remember having a chat about, yeah, a bit over a year ago now, uh, with some analysis from Tim Wigmore about um, just a, you know, a little while back, Sterling just adjusted his game a little bit and, and went slightly less hard early and, and he's been a lot more reliable at scoring big runs consistently and he really carries the batting lineup and so many times, you know, if, if Sterling doesn't score runs, they look very threadbare. And you know, especially now with with Balburnie an injury cloud hanging over him, they you know even more pressure is going to be on Sterling to to carry the batting lineup. One thing in Sterling's favour is that he's a good sweeper, and in spin conditions, he's played well in in UAE. He's played well in the PSL as well, uh, and even in that hundred he scored against England, he he took apart a lot of the the spin attack as well. But when he is opening the batting, there's a good chance he'll come up against guys who wanted to swing the ball both ways. And when he does bat, he kind of sets himself in this base where there's not a whole lot of footwork. He, he kind of uses more of his eyes and his hands to get through the ball. But in saying that, he, he does it at a ridiculous clip. And I, I think if they are to be sort of any hope of progressing, I think he needs to have a big tournament. But if we are looking at, at ones to watch... Kevin O'Brien, we mentioned again, a big game player. I look at guys like Gareth Delaney, Mark Adair, who will play a part on both sides. But one name that I want to bring up is Ben White. And I watched a little bit of him in the, in the summer bash in UAE. And without seeing him too much previously, he's almost in that wrist-spinning role a la uh, Muji Uruman and others where sometimes he bowls leg breaks, sometimes he kind of bowls little carom balls out of the front of the hand. He kind of races up in his run-up and sneaks past you. Without much notice, Tim, I'm thinking that given he hasn't had a lot of T20 international experience, there's also not a whole lot of data on him. And he's almost a secret weapon in a way for for Ireland against a number of these opponents who, to this point, probably don't have a plan for someone like him. 
Yeah, true, but are you going to pick him in your 11? Well, that's the big question. I think if the conditions kind of suit them and he, and he fits, he, he might get a run. Yeah, and I guess that's the advantage of having the wealth of all-rounders there that you may be able to take a punt on someone like Ben and bowl him early and you never know what could happen. If he doesn't come off, then no skin off anyone's nose apart from perhaps a, an expensive overall two. So, yeah, look, we, we know how impactful mystery spinners are. You know, I think... Yeah, we got him down as a leg spinner, but uh, you know, I think that you've almost got to come up with a new new spin type for the the Majib mm. front of hand. You know, bowls wrongins and uh, Karen balls. You know, what what are you <laughs> um, apart from unbelievably talented? So maybe that will be their trump card that they can pull out that uh, that nobody's seen. Is as you said, yeah. Thinking about it, may, may may not be too surprising if if he does get a Guernsey here because as you say, everyone else will be be prepared for for most other names on that list but not whitey well in saying that too a lot of people have seen simi singh but no one's really come up with a plan against someone like simi singh and looking at their super league campaign against south africa in particular but also in the t20s nick he's misley and if he comes up big in the middle overs who knows what he could do for ireland even if it is just to kind of quash the, the opposition to only be able to bat it at five or six runs and over and bowl say 12 dot balls in his spell of 24 yeah simi singh I've, I've in the past i've thought he's a bit one-dimensional and this is probably more of a problem for for the one day cricket but even you know even in the super league recently he's upped his game significantly and he's got a lot more reliable and a lot more you know able to be getting the ball in those those tricky areas so he's improved which is you know impressive that he is doing that and i think especially in t20 the fact that he is so accurate and and they don't quite know what to be doing and and he's able to just sort of wheel through his overs pretty quickly is um going to be very important and yeah as as we said with with the conditions looking quite possible to to favor spin Obviously, he's going to be a, an important cog there, and probably more likely to get a game than than Ben White. Um, but you know, we'll see see how we go. Maybe on the other side, batting against spin ha- has probably been a weakness of the Irish. And to be fair, not many people have come up with an answer against Tabray Shamsi, but he definitely had his own way on that on that tour. And looking though, even to recent times and the emergence of Kartik Mayapan at UAE. It's also made it quite tricky for Ireland, Nick. So, and again, looking at at the surface in, well, across UAE in in the first round, it doesn't particularly bode well, especially from over say seven to to fifteen. Yeah, Shamsi tied them in knots in that T uh, Twenty series against South Africa. Even even against Zimbabwe, Ryan Bell um, was was doing quite well against them. And yeah, as you said, Mayapan and, and Rohan Mustafa as well took a bunch of wickets against them um, in, in that series against the UAE. So yeah, quality spin bowling is going to be tough for them. And you know, looking across at their opponents, you know, the Dutch have a couple of decent spinners, but Sri Lanka, I think they might well struggle against guys like Hasaranga, who, who's very good. And you know, even Namibia have, have quite a lot of spin options. So I think Ireland's uh, batting against that is going to be, again, uh, very reliant on Sterling because he's definitely their best player of spin. Yeah, and it's interesting. He he won't not open the batting, so they're almost needing him to get through that opening phase of the match, and he might have to play a second fiddle role to someone like Kevin O'Brien at the top to ensure that he is there for the middle overs. Let's have a look at the matchups, and we talked about Sri Lanka there probably enough to, to, to warrant that. I mean, it is the key for them to, to get through those spin overs. Sri Lanka will put up. that. That's probably going to be the turning point of that game. But, Tim, looking at the Netherlands game as their first, and, and these two teams have played against each other a lot, especially in 
the last well five to ten years especially before Ireland had gained their full membership but they have obviously played against each other in Cricket World Cup Super League as well and the Netherlands were, were quite strong albeit at home with a, a second string outfit so we'll probably know a lot about Ireland's campaign in this first game against the Dutch but it makes you wonder these two teams know each other very well it might just be a case of who holds their nerve the better on the particular day yeah and as you were asking then I was just running my kind of mind's eye down the team sheets and then you got the likes of Rolof Vandermeer coming in at six seven eight and the quality that he he brings down the order in terms of holding and holding their nerve as you said, you know, will really show us where both teams are. You know, the Netherlands, geez, I've got, I've tipped the Netherlands first, but we're, we're going to know a lot about how settled they are after a disjointed lead up to this and sort of players not being available. You talked about the Netherlands defeating Ireland 2 1 without their county players who are now back or beaten 50 over cricket. But yeah, I, they, they depending on the team they go go for here, it's really going to be that there needs to be a complete team performance because, yes, we talked about Sterling up, up the top. Uh, if he scores 130 off you know, 80 rocks, then you'd like to think that uh, Ireland are going to be in a good position. But if he doesn't, who are going to be the players that stand up? Yeah, I, I agree, Tim. I think that game against Netherlands uh, is going to be key. And who comes out better, you know, out of the gate? The Dutch, uh, we, we've talked about it a bit in the Dutch preview. They they look a bit undercooked in terms of they're not playing any warm-up games except for the, the official ICC organised ones. Uh, whereas the Irish, yes, they lost 2-1 against the UAE, which is concerning, and, and they got um, <laughs> they got munzied against Scotland. But um, they, they are, have been on the field, and they have been you know rolling the arm over and, and feeling bad on ball. So you know, how much of a difference that makes, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Very interested to see how this group goes, boys. Once again, the 18th of October, the Netherlands first up, then the 20th against Sri Lanka. Both of those games are in Abu Dhabi, and then Namibia, a match that could well determine the group after that, who goes through between Ireland and Namibia on the 22nd in Sharjah. Sharjah ground in itself is another thing to factor in. All right, boys, time to put our necks on the line and make a prediction. I I think I'm a little contrarian in that I've for a long time I've actually had Ireland to finish second in the group. I've got to put it on the record here, fellas, that I'm not too sure about that now. Watching a lot of these warm-up fixtures, listening to your cases as well, I might have to just stick with it because I've uh, I've picked them already. But I'm hoping for a Paul Sterling blitzkrieg on this group and, and for them to take second. I am willing to throw it open, whoever wants this first, to, to kind of give their assessment of where the Irish are heading here. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them. I've got them down as coming last and I'm pretty confident with that one but you know it's it's a very difficult group and I could easily see them qualifying if as you say if, if Paul Sterling has a good run then then they're right in it I don't really agree with Nick but uh <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm with Nick and you know I know at the start of the the show I said you got to leave your, your your membership status at the door but it is weird that we're all leaning towards and I know you did go away from your second place there Bez but lean towards Ireland bring up the rear here that first game is key for a number of reasons because i think for them to finish last it means they don't they don't win a game but with the netherlands preparation and likewise with ireland trying to find combinations the same for every team really just how big those first games are but especially here what's expected of a full member you know if ireland aren't able to to get through in this top two what will that mean 
happens after this because I'm sure I'm sure there are expectations there both from a, a high performance point of view the amount of money that's been invested in, in this program and their first class cricket system in the last few years to build towards this point I think probably adds some pressure on them but look I'm I'm with Nick there I, I've got them down fourth and uh, potentially not winning a game no fair enough fellas and it, it is harder to pick than a broken nose, this group. So <laughs> I, I have not I've not looked forward to doing predictions and I don't envy anyone who has, you know, really gone out there and, and thrown either a heap of money or a lot of their word on particular teams qualifying or not. And that includes Sri Lanka as well. So it just means that what we could have on our hands is an unbelievable group A. And when we do look back at the whole tournament, we could sit here and say that Group A of the first round was the most entertaining part, especially for, for us anyway, who have been really connected in and involved in the emerging game. But that's all we have for all of the team previews. We are done with the six qualifiers. I've got to say, I've enjoyed getting into the nitty gritty and talking some matchups and, and some key and important players for all of the teams and it just means now that for everyone out there watching enjoy the tournament it should be a cracker and looking forward to all of these matchups and hashtag smith can hit will probably be tweeted out you know a bunch of times between all of us i can i can say that for certain but thanks for joining me boys uh, it's been a fun ride and uh let's hope that the, the tournament lives up to uh, its expectations absolutely I, th- I th- just as you're talking there about the potential just wouldn't it be cool if we got to the final days in both groups with each game hinging on a on a on a spot to go through, like I think both groups have the the potential of that. Maybe maybe Group B with you know us thinking potentially Bangladesh, but I can see a last day in Group A with with everything be on the line and, and how great would that be? But yeah, cannot wait. And uh, sorry, sleeping patterns. And uh, time to get the net run rate calculations out. Oh yes, thank you for reminding me. I've got the Excel spreadsheet. I need to make sure that's all good to go. Yes. <laughs>